Hello, and welcome to the latest episode in our podcast series considering the FCA's proposed consumer duty. I'm Sarah Cody, a counsel in Linklater's financial regulation team. And I'm Raza Naim, also counsel in the Linklater's financial regulation team. So our plan today is to consider the implications and issues that arise for asset managers of the FCA's proposed consumer duty, which is a very, very exciting topic if you haven't engaged with it yet. Uh, I think we plan to start this episode with a refresher of the key points from the proposals, and then we'll go on to consider the three specific aspects in particular that we think are worth noting for the audience, both if you're a retail or a wholesale asset manager. So maybe, Sarah, over to you. Can you give us a quick overview um, of the FCA's proposals to the extent possible, noting that there are proposals at this stage? Thanks, Raza. I certainly can. So the FCA's proposed consumer duty has three key elements. The first is that there'll be an overarching consumer principle expressed as either a firm must act to deliver good outcomes for retail clients or a firm must act in the best interests of retail clients. Secondly, there will be three cross-cutting rules which will oblige firms to take reasonable steps to avoid causing foreseeable harm, to enable consumers to pursue their financial objectives, and finally, to act in good faith towards consumers. And then sitting underneath all of that will be a suite of rules and guidance setting expectations around four key outcomes relating to communications, products and services, customer service, and price and value. So the thinking behind this is that there is a feeling within the FCA and beyond that the current regime is not doing enough to prevent consumer harm. So as such, this is intended to impose an explicitly higher standard on firms and allow the FCA to act to prevent harm where it currently thinks that it can't do that. The FCA wants firms to put themselves in the place of consumers and to only manufacture and sell products that they would actually buy themselves. Now, it's important to note that the duty isn't intended to prevent all poor outcomes. The FCA itself admits that sometimes harm can occur because of unforeseen circumstances. But at the heart of the reforms, I think, is this idea that firms should ensure that they themselves are not the source of poor outcomes, whether that's intentionally or unintentionally. So the FCA issued the consultation on the proposed duty back in May. Um, That consultation closed in July, and we are expecting draft rules to be published for consultation in late December. Now, the obligation on the FCA to issue rules here is, is quite interesting because it's actually a statutory one, and that's set out in the Financial Services Act 2021. And that says that the FCA needs to have final rules in place by July 2022, although there will obviously be an implementation period, so it will be likely be a few months or even years before the rules actually take effect. But I think it's quite interesting that we are on a, a strict timetable here and there will be something in place by July 2022. Thanks, Sarah. Actually, that's a really interesting development on the asset management side because the FCA has actually been looking at the customer experience within that sector for quite a lot of detail. I'm sure those listening in have, have lived through the joys of the asset management market study, which ran for five years concluding in 2020. And actually, I'm not sure the story has quite ended there because the FCA has given a fair bit of feedback in that context recently in criticisms. And generally, I think the FCA has been looking at investment products being used by consumers and to the extent to which they offer value for money and so on. That's right, Raza. And I wonder actually if some of the, that work that's been done in the asset management space is a bit of a precursor to this duty, actually. And I think it is really interesting to look at what the FCA is proposing across the sector in the light of, of the work that's already been done in the asset management context. 
Thanks, Ar. That's really interesting, actually. But before we get to that, I guess, let's go back to basics and, and address the question of how the consumer duty applies in the context of the asset management sector. Does it actually even apply? Because the question I get asked often by many asset managers who traditionally only deal with wholesale investors is that we don't deal directly with consumers, even if our funds end up being sold to them. So how will this be relevant to them? That's a great question, Raza, because I think it takes us to the heart of one of the most interesting parts of the FCA's proposals here. So the intention is that the duty will apply to any firm that is subject to the principles conducting regulated business and where there is an ultimate transaction with retail consumers. Now, crucially, you don't need to be in an end relationship with that retail consumer for the duty to apply. So what the FCA is saying is that any firm which has the ability through its regulated activities to influence material aspects of the design, target market or performance of a product or service that is ultimately used by consumers is potentially caught. Now, the extent to which the duty will apply in that context will depend on the ability of that um, firm further up the chain to influence the outcomes for consumers. So accordingly, that means that wholesale managers will also be in scope if their funds are sold to retail consumers. And Sarah, how are the FCA defining influence for these purposes? Well, at this point, not particularly clearly. Um, it is not specifically defined in the consultation paper, which is not very helpful. And this is an area, I think, where the devil is really going to be in the detail with these proposals. And this is the type of detail that we really need more information from the FCA on. Because actually, there are several ways in which an industry player on the wholesale side might influence the design or performance of a retail product, potentially without even intending to. So if you think about a market index that's published by a firm in the wholesale market, that can influence the pricing of a retail product. And that then has the potential to cause that wholesale firm to be subject to the consumer duty, at least as it seems to be being set out in the consultation paper. Yeah, indeed. I mean, in the asset management context, I can envisage a number of different ways, actually, in which uh, an asset manager could be caught, even if you're not dealing directly with consumers. I mean, I think even where you act as the fund manager, so you're the AFIM or the USITS manco, you're seen as a product manufacturer from a regulatory perspective, or equally, even if you're like a, a unit linked insurance provider, even if the ultimate design is then done by third-party delegate manager or they're responsible for manufacturing. Just by virtue of being, I think, the, the fund manager or the insurer, you end up being caught as long as your fund is being sold to consumers. Similarly, I guess where you on the flip side, where you act as a MIFID manager, as a delegate, and you're involved in the design of a third-party fund, and you know that fund is being sold to consumers sounds like it, bang, you're in. Or I guess many, many firms out there do have model portfolios and those model portfolios can be used by investors for making investments. And those model portfolios, again, seem like prime candidates. But equally, I'm aware that often um, many asset managers out there actually have like say fund platforms, investment platforms where they can introduce investors and consumers to multiple different third-party funds. And in which case, even though you're not the product manufacturer, I would have thought you'd be caught by all of this because you are effectively picking which products are marketed to consumers. I think those are great examples, Raza. And I think that in itself underlines how much thinking I think all firms are going to have to do about how these proposals are going to apply to their specific businesses. There is a definite sort of intention here to capture a range of firms involved in the manufacture, distribution and supply of products that end up in the hands of retail consumers, you know, whether or not those firms actually deal directly with the end consumer. Thanks, Sarah. So I guess we've sort of covered now the question of why all asset managers should be interested. Uh, let's assume now our friendly asset manager is subject to the duty. What will the FCA expect of them? 
So the consultation sets out at a high level the types of obligations it intends to impose on parties at every stage of the manufactured distribution and sales process plus some post-sale obligations that will bite on all parties in the chain. So at the design stage, you're looking at making sure products are designed to meet identified needs or objectives of consumers and that there's a clearly identified target market. Distributors will need sufficient information to discharge their duties, including information about the product and its potential risk to consumers, and obviously that crucial target market. And then in terms of sales, there'll be an obligation to take reasonable steps to ensure that products are only distributed to customers in that target market. And then those post-sales obligations that I mentioned, they're around things like tracking whether costs and benefits and performance are in keeping with the client's reasonable expectations and ensuring that products don't impose undue costs or risks on consumers or that don't have features that might prevent them from acting in their best interest. And all of this needs to be evidence to the FCA if and when they come asking for that evidence. And I think it's important to note that those post-sales obligations and the actions that need to be taken if harm is identified further down the line once products are out in the market and being sold and used, they apply back to the manufacturer. And it does also look like the distributor will have some obligations depending on the extent to which they have influence over consumer outcomes. So there's going to be a really interesting discussion that's going to have to go on between all those parties in the chain because obviously all of those stages are not done by the same firm. They can be, but often they're not. And I think, you know, a manufacturer is going to need to tie down its distributors so that they are obliged to say not sell beyond the designated target market and that to make sure that the right information about sales and post-sales experience of customers is being collected and, and funneled back up the chain. So the point about evidencing is really important too. Um, So the FCA seems to be borrowing from its proposals around operational resilience in terms that it's it's requiring firms to provide evidence on demand that customers are achieving good outcomes using relevant metrics. So I think there's going to need to be some pretty sophisticated MI traveling sort of up and down the chain from seller to manufacturer to make sure that everyone in the in that distribution process can can meet those obligations. That's really interesting, Sarah, because actually that is feels like something that has the potential to blur the lines between the obligations and liabilities of different firms, the distribution chain, because it's not even as simple as that. You could have like a fund manager, then you could have a delegate manager, a distributor down the chain who then sub-distributes. It's quite a long chain and complicated within there. And I think the legal certainty here would be quite crucial to give firms sufficient confidence to invest in providing products and services in the first place. And so it'll be quite interesting to see how and if actually the FCA plans to try and help mitigate this risk. I mean, I also have to say that listening to this from an asset manager's point of view is sounding an awful lot like fraud and product governance and the kind of obligations that asset managers are already accustomed to in terms of the MIFID two requirements. So it sounds like the asset management sector is actually ahead of the curve here. Surely if asset managers continue to comply with the obligations and prod and cobs and so on, will that be enough to say that they're complying with the new duty? Interesting question. The FCA is definitely looking to export prod across the industry. And firms that already have prod and COPS compliance baked into their systems are obviously going to be at an advantage here. And certainly compliance with both is definitely very positive in terms of, of compliance with the consumer duty. However, being a lawyer, I suppose you won't be surprised to hear me say that I think that alone possibly won't be enough. So it could be the case that the consumer duty actually ends up pushing up standards across the board. So in terms of the way that obligations in prod are actually interpreted by the FCA, so you end up with a kind of prod max regime. 
And I think there's still going to be a need for firms to step back and look at that customer experience overall and sort of in the round. The FCA really wants firms to move away from a sort of tick box compliance exercise. And obviously, it's theoretically possible to follow prod and still have a situation where a customer experiences a poor outcome. So I think that that piece around sort of stepping back and looking at the customer experience in the round is still going to be really important. But clearly, firms who have invested in MI and tools for identifying target markets, et cetera, as part of the MIFID 2 rollout, for example, will find that those efforts certainly aren't going to be wasted here. That's really interesting. Because I guess, and then looking at the outcomes from an asset management perspective, two specific outcomes stand out to me. I guess the first one being communications and the second one being everyone's favorite topic of fair value. So maybe starting with communications, there are hordes of rules here already. So what will be different? In many ways, not a lot, actually. I think a lot of what is outlined in the consultation paper will be very familiar to firms who are used to doing communications to retail customers. And I think that the overarching aim that the FCA set out is that customers should have all the information they need at the time that they need it so that they can take proper decisions and take responsibility for the outcome of those decisions. So I think it's about ensuring that communications are likely to be understood, that's the phrase that the FCA uses, and that they equip customers to make effective decisions. And that's going to require firms to do more testing. So using focus groups to testing how sort of communications land and adapting them as necessary. So the more serious the consequences of a misunderstanding in terms of communication with a customer, then the easier to understand it needs to be. And correspondingly, the amount of testing that is done should depend on the potential harm arising out of a miscommunication in that context. I think they'll also need to be testing around um, vulnerable consumers and how communications land with them. And other options might be customer surveys or enhanced MI monitoring. And I think, you know, if you sit further up the chain as a product manufacturer, there is this open question as to the extent to which you need to be keeping tabs on how, how firms conducting direct sales to retail customers are communicating with them and whether customers are getting the information that you as a manufacturer think they need to make a good decision. I mean, communication is definitely a very, very tricky area. In my experience, is often managers struggle with how much to communicate, when, and then there's always that big question of like preferential access to information because your institutional investors will have large investments and funds, separate accounts, they'll have the sort of relationships with the manager and the leverage to try and get real-time information um, versus your standard consumer out there. So that, I think, is, is definitely an interesting one to pay attention to, focusing on this consumer duty for focus. I think the other areas I mentioned that jumps out, which is again, well known to the asset management sector, but still very relevant is the fair value outcome that we mentioned initially. Interested in thoughts on that, I guess, probably. I think I'm going to turn that question back to you, Raza, and ask what (laughs) you know, it briefly, what has the FCA been doing around fair value in the asset manager sector? Fair enough. Thanks, Sarah. I think quite a lot, I guess, is the short answer. I think, um, as we mentioned earlier, it sort of concluded its initial work in 2020. And I say initial work, even though there was quite a lot, because they see it, I think, as an ongoing exercise. Um, Earlier this year, they basically gave back some feedback on a survey or a, a study they conducted between July 2020 and May 2021 of different asset managers and how they embed value for money. 
And the, I guess the high level pitch really is that they thought some asset managers were doing it well, but with many others, they thought they weren't actually doing it in a very credible, robust manner. They didn't think people were considering fund performance effectively, not really thinking about the investment policy, strategy and fees, and spending way too much time thinking about how savings had been or could have been made in administration service charges, but not going to the heart of the actual investment management service that people are very interested in. And I think, again, the concern was that although there's a requirement now to have independent directors within governing bodies and to try and help make a process in place to drive challenge at the board level to ensure better value for money, the concern actually was that many independent directors were not providing the kind of robust challenge that the FCA was hoping for. So I think what's interesting about the way the FCA has approached fair value in the asset management space, as you've just described, and also in the general insurance space, is that the metrics that it's imposed have been very specific to those markets and the approach has been really quite tailored. Um, Now, it's hard to tell from the consultation paper, but I, certainly reading it, don't get the sense that the FCA is planning on doing something quite as tailored for every sector across the financial services market. So the fair value obligations, I think, under the consumer duty look likely to be a rollout of more high-level principles um, around assessing the value of products. So I think there is a question about how this will interact with specific rules, for example, the ones you have in place for asset managers. And then I think there is this broader issue around value as a concept. So is this just monetary? You know, what do you do about products which have very front-loaded development costs? So here a firm might feel justified in charging a higher price than might otherwise be regarded as good value to reflect that. And I think overall value is just quite a subjective um, quality that's quite difficult to calculate. And so we're going to have to see what sort of guidance the FCA gives around this. And actually, I think that that really sums up the theme of the consultation paper, really, that, that the devil in this is really in the detail. And I think firms are going to have to really study the rules that are coming out at the end of this year, the draft rules, that is, quite carefully. Um, and once we have that detail, I think there is going to be a lot of work for firms to do in terms of auditing their products that end up in the hands of retail clients and making sure that they are compliant with the duty. And, you know, thinking through those, the implications for every aspect of their business. But I think on that note, we have to bring this podcast to a close. Raza, thanks for joining me today. Um, Please don't hesitate to reach out to us or any of your Linklatus contacts to discuss these issues further. Um, Our contact details are in the show notes, along with links to our webpage on the consumer duty. This has all our resources on the FCA's consultation, including all of our podcasts. And we'll be putting more insights on this webpage as we publish them. And also our Asset Manager Spotlight series, um, which has all the latest developments in the asset and fund management sector. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Mm-hmm.